the name of the one who causes new growth among us. Amen. Good morning. So you all braved the tough paths here to find parking. The Dipsy race is on. School's just about out for everyone. Graduation preparations are underway. Summer is at the door. And the urge to go outside and simply stay there is almost irresistible. But you're here. You're here this morning. It's a little bit fitting in an odd way that we gather with the Dipsy passing by our front steps and the parking a bit of a bear. It's an annual reminder that life at Church of Our Savior is now transitioning into the summer months with the scattering of the flock, the drop in weekly attendance, the membership embarking on vacations, although many of those have been scaled back from years previous, and the race is still on. We open the long season after Pentecost, what some call ordinary time, this year on an uncertain foot. But it's an uncertain foot we've almost grown accustomed to, with all of the economic uncertainties of the past couple of years. Our youth minister position remains unfilled, but not due to lack of effort. Two of our beloved members have passed away recently, leaving more than a bit of a gap in our midst. Some of us remain unemployed or underemployed. Others of us remain uncertain whether we will have employment in the coming months. And yet we still have to get everything organized for fall, from retreats to outreach to adult education to our children's programs before much of our leadership disbands for the summer. Still, the questions remain. Where are we headed? And if we can answer that question with a bit of foresight, how are we going to get there? Some of our leadership and I have been wrestling with our habitual pattern of frenetically rushing in to shore things up in the ongoing life of transition in our community of trying to keep everything in the air when things tend to drop, of fixing and fixing and refixing. Like this week when the youth minister search went into double overtime on the one hand and mechanical failure and a power outage took out office equipment on the other, just when Rose and I thought we had everything up and running too. Right? Right. Now, maybe that's just me looking from the sublime to the ridiculous, but the experiences mirrored each other in a curious way. We have to wonder in both cases if we're getting ahead or not, getting on top of the situation we find ourselves in or just simply getting further buried in it. You know what I mean? Of course, next to the greater world, we as a parish could count our blessings. Wars abroad and economic problems everywhere hang like a cloud in the summer sky, a cloud that simply won't go away. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel a little bit of malaise starting to set in with all the prognostication on the air and in print and over the net. Even though it's starting to sound a little bit more hopeful, I get the sense that we're in for the long haul. 
Must be something like the last leg of the dipsy feels to some of the runners. But what's the good Marin response to that? The one I am tempted to keep on falling into and the one that so many of us fall into. Keep on slogging away. Keep on perfecting. Keep on looking. Keep on fixing. Keep on picking things up. Keep on keeping on. But if truth be told, in the midst of all this freneticism that you can see all around us and that we all participate in to one degree or another, there's a little caveat that we are putting on God's grace. God will make it happen, faith says. But then comes that little prideful caveat, often unspoken. God will make it happen with a lot of hard work from me. For myself, sometimes I get into this Western, egotistical, almost John Wayne-like place. I like to take command when things are tough. And what happens when things get tough? Well, the tough get going. I like to take command of what I reckon to be God's plan. when I really should stop to invite and maybe even wait for grace to turn up. But I like to beat it to the punch. Today's poetic vision from Ezekiel speaks right to the heart of this. Ezekiel was probably among the first priests sent into the Babylonian exile brought about by King Nebuchadnezzar when he overthrew Jerusalem in the 6th century B.C. Much harder than a nasty recession and more irrevocable than the reordering of a free market democracy, infinitely harder than the reconfiguration of parish programming and leadership, the Babylonian exile was the complete disintegration of a way of life, of a people, of a nation, of a way of being with God. The temple was lost, and with it the heart of religious observance and devotion for the ancient Israelites. The power of kings was completely undone, and with it the sense of rootedness to a long-standing line of leadership, both good and bad. The land had been taken away along with homes, livelihoods, and family history. So what was left? Dead wood, a lifeless tree, fading memories cloaked in bitterness, despair. Now, if Ezekiel were a good Maronite, he might start considering how to fix the situation right away. Be a good John Wayne-like figure. Pick himself up by his bootstraps. When it gets tough, the tough get going. Maybe mobilize some political action. Send an editorial to the Babylonian equivalent of the IJ. Plan an uprising if you were more of an extremist. Organize like hell or heaven. Take your pick. Take on King Nebuchadnezzar head to head. Don't let things drop or stand still for a moment. 
But instead of engaging in all of that frenetic activity, Ezekiel, like his other prophet contemporaries, chide the Israelites for their half-hearted faith and then place the outcome of the exile utterly in God's hands. And he does it with a remarkable image of the divine taking a sprig, a green shoot from the tender twig of a lofty cedar. It's a strange image the more I reflect on it. Most sensible folk who take care of trees know the best way to cultivate growth and new life is to cut away the old dead wood. And most of us try to find our way out of tough times by setting out to fix things, to solve problems, to sort the situations out for ourselves. We look for the trouble to rectify. With great frenetic effort, we seek out the dead wood and we want to get to work to clear it. But God in radical opposition to our problem-solving, wood-clearing nature, simply seeks out the green shoot of new life and replants it. Or, in the language of Jesus in today's Gospel, God causes the greatest of all shrubs to arise from the tiniest of all seeds. I wonder about all the energy we spend as a parish and indeed as a church in solving problems and fixing things and wonder if we sometimes miss the tender green shoots poking up among us. We follow our own sense of importance as problem solvers without thinking, too often without prayerful reflection when the divine example is to simply and lovingly build on new life already germinating among us. If truth be told, our caveat on God's grace is that it will be delayed until we fix or solve X. Our unspoken and somewhat faithless myth is that somehow God's love will only wait until we have made the conditions for that love just right. But our exiles and our tough times and our uncertain futures and our ongoing searches notwithstanding, we are told in today's readings that God's grace requires no caveat, no prerequisite from us, no special preparation. Even as we prepare with so much activity and uncertainty for the summer ahead, some of us to leave, some of us to stay, God's grace has already sprouted. It's already here, growing green shoots, green shoots that we might miss in all of our busyness. It's that grace that restored the dignity of an exiled people so many centuries ago. It's that grace that keeps this community of faith going, the love supple and strong like new growth, the life rooted in sacrament and prayer, the eyes outward on a world in need. It's that grace that will see us through the thick and thin, even when the thin seems to be the end we're getting most days 
at this time. We only have to turn to this grace and live out of it, just as the birds go to nest in the tree that rises from the green shoot. We don't have to make any of it happen any more than we can cause a tree to grow by simply looking at it and watching it. We do not know how it grows. Even in our hyper-informed age, just like the sower cannot fathom the seed sprouting in Jesus' parable. So the good news is that those of us who are engaged in the search for a new youth minister and those of us who are planning for the fall and all of us shoring up contingencies get a bit of a breather today by the grace of God in Christ. Many of us get a breather too, a break from the race that this time of year brings as we prepare for summer and graduation and schools out and all the plans that have to be done and consider how we will navigate uncertain futures of many kinds. The gospel is that God has beaten us to it and is already planting new life among us and before us and within us. All we have to do is live into our humble place in the great drama of God's life-filled creation. And remember to respond faithfully with love and wonder. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing, welcoming community for those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You can reach us by phone at 415-388-1907 or visit us online at OurSaviorMV.org. That's O-U-R-S-A-V-I-O-U-R-M-V for Mill Valley, dot org. We wish you God's peace, and we hope to be able to greet you in person very soon.